Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So this is how he would work. He would make friends with someone, usually another Western traveler. He would find some reason to check into the same hotel or even share a hotel room. And then in the room, he would taser them, clap them to death and chop them up in the bathroom because John was a trained butcher. And that's how he did it. Hi, I'm Teddy. And today we're covering the case of John Martin Scripps, also known as the Garden City Butcher. He was a serial killer with an international trail that eventually met his end in Singapore. John Martin Scripps was born on 9th December 1959 in England, almost 60 years ago. He was born just John Scripps, his mom Jean was a bartender on Fleet Street, and his dad, Leonard, was an East End lorry driver. He had one older sister, Janet. He was pretty close with his dad and they drove around England together. But when he was nine, his mom left his dad for another man and his dad wasn't able to cope with it and committed suicide by gassing himself in the oven in the family home. And it was such a traumatizing situation because imagine nine-year-old John finding his dad's body. John also had undiagnosed dyslexia, which made school really hard and probably miserable. So he decides to drop out. He moves to the Isle of Wight to stay with his mom, and he worked odd jobs and sold antiques. But it was also around this time where he kind of started his life of crime. Now it's 1974 and John's 15. He gets caught for a burglary. He gets a 12-month conditional discharge and a £10 fine. I'm guessing with a bit of inflation and everything, it's still less than $50. So it's a slap on the wrist, it's basically nothing. The punishment doesn't do much and by 1976 when he's 17, he's been caught for stealing at least 3 more times. And in June 1978 when he's 19, he's fined 40 pounds for indecent assault which feels very insulting to the person that he assaulted and it's just a slap on the wrist. We fast forward a couple of years and he meets his wife Maria while traveling in Mexico. Maria's from Cancun and everything seems to be going alright. He's traveling around the world with her and then after two years he gets arrested and sentenced to three years in prison for burglary, theft and resisting assault. So it seems that this guy, he just cannot stop doing crime. He's kind of a shitty prisoner as well. In the UK, there is this home leave scheme and it's for a couple of reasons. It's to keep family contact for reasons like illness or disability where the person's family can't visit. And there's also a kind of leave that's meant to help prisoners reintegrate back after they've served their time. So John really abused this system. It seems like almost every time they would let him out on home leave, he would take advantage of that and run away. He would be an escaped convict, essentially. So in 1985, after his arrest, he runs away during home leave, even though he actually only has a couple of months left to finish serving. And Maria is pissed at this. First he's arrested and he runs away from home leave. I mean, who wouldn't be? So she divorces him and then she marries somebody else, a police constable called Ken Cole. To explain a little bit more on the kind of thought process that John had, the next time he was out on home leave, I mean after the first time that he ran away from home leave, I wouldn't have thought that he would be allowed to go on home leave again, but I guess the system was a little different there. So, when he was on home leave, 
He was so pissed that Maria dared to divorce him and marry someone else, he went and stole her new husband's clothes. She eventually divorces the new guy and she goes back to Mexico. And after he finishes serving this sentence, he changes his name to John Martin and he's now a free and single man again. So what does he do? Does he try to reintegrate back to society? No. John becomes a drug trafficker and he ferries drugs between Europe and Asia. And if you know anything about Singapore at all, drugs are a massive no-no. In fact, the first European to be sentenced to death in Singapore was another drug trafficker, if that tells you anything about the drug laws here. In 1987, he's actually arrested in Heathrow for drug possession. So when he's arrested there, they find a key to a safety deposit box on a bank in Orchard Road. So Singapore CNB, Central Narcotics Bureau, they go and they check that out and they find 1.5 kg of heroin just sitting there and that's worth about 1.5 million USD. So I wonder what else is in safety deposit boxes now. <laughs> I mean, after this, with another offence, John is sentenced to seven years in jail. He did the running away on home leave thing and he was rearrested, and they added on six years to his sentence. And by right, his next release date was supposed to be 2001. I mean, seriously though, given this guy's track record, I really don't think anyone could have looked at it and faulted the prison system for not granting him home leave anymore. Um, so he's in Albany prison on the Isle of Wight. He's a model prisoner and he really works his way up. He went from a dishwasher, he did general cleaning, and eventually he got trained under a six-week course as a butcher. Like, super pertinent. He knew how to dismember and remove bones from animals after killing them. He wasn't just good at it, he was amazing at it. He did it so efficiently and he even told other people that he wanted to go home and open a butchery after he got out. But he didn't, he went back to crime. So it's 1993 and he gets moved from Albany Prison to Mount Prison in another part of England. And in October 1994, he escapes while on home leave. Like even his mom knew that he was going to, she asked them not to let him out. And she knew that he sold all his stuff to other prisoners. It was pretty clear that he was going to run away. But they still let him out on home leave and he did, he ran away. His mom actually gave him £200 to go overseas. He used another prisoner's birth certificate and got a passport under the name Simon James Davis. He went to Mexico and he pretended that he lost his passport there and then he got a replacement. From Mexico, he goes to the US where he hops on a flight from San Francisco to Singapore. He arrives at 1am on 8th March 1995. This is where he meets his first victim. Gerald Lowe was a chemical engineer with South African breweries. He came to Singapore to buy cheap electronics, which I hear was totally a thing back then. And one more thing that is pertinent was that Gerald Lowe was married and he was a really considerate husband. This was his first time in Singapore. So remember, this is 1995 and you can't just send somebody a message on WhatsApp or Telegram when you've arrived. So he told his wife Vanessa that he would call her the moment that he checked in. And because calls are expensive, he told her, if I call on the 10th, that means I'll be flying back home on the 11th. And if I don't call on the 10th, that means I'll be flying back home on the 12th. He arrives at the airport the same time John is there. And it's really a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. They talk and John is charming. He suggests that they get a room together, maybe to cut costs or something like that. And Gerald is like, sure, he's there for a task. It's not like he's really there for sightseeing or a holiday. 
in in my opinion, maybe it was a different time back then, but it feels like it's throwing everything that we've learned about stranger danger completely out of the window because you are at your most vulnerable asleep with a complete stranger in the same room. They get room 1151 in the Riverview Hotel, which is now the much fancier Four Points by Sheraton. The same night, he kills Gerald. He used a taser, and the exact taser that he used was a Z-Force 3 stun gun. Once the victim was stunned, he used his 1.5kg hammer to smash their heads. And using the butchery skills that he picked up in prison, he would drag them to the bathroom, place them in the bathtub, turn on the water so that the blood would run down the drain, and he would butcher their bodies. The next morning, John goes down to reception. He tells the receptionist, Gerald was gay and Gerald made a move on me, so I kicked him out of the room. Could you please take his name off the register? And everything now settled, John goes on a little shopping spree. He withdraws about $8,000 in cash and he also buys a $499 video cassette recorder because it's 1995. And because he's a fancy man, he goes and sees the Singapore Symphony Orchestra on the 10th just two days after he murders Gerald. On the 11th, he checks out and flies to Bangkok. On the 13th, so this is after the last day that Gerald told his wife Vanessa that he might be flying back. On the 13th, they find a pair of legs floating off Clifford Pier. And in another three days, on the 16th, they find a pair of thighs in a plastic bag. And because this is 1995, forensics weren't great and he wasn't Singaporean. The only thing that they could really tell was that he was Caucasian because she expected either a call on the 10th or for him to arrive on the 12th. She files a missing persons report and Gerald's colleagues, they actually used their Singaporean connections to try to figure out where he went. The police, they get a lead after they get this missing persons report from the South African High Commission. And later in April, she eventually comes down and she identifies his body parts. But the sad thing is that his head and his arms, they were never found. So now John is in Bangkok. He doesn't do anything there, but he uses it as a transition point to go to Phuket. On his flight to Phuket, he makes friends with a couple of Canadians, Sheila and Darren the Moods, who are mom and son. They check into Nili's Marina Inn, which faces Patong Beach. John and the pair are placed in rooms side by side. The last time that Sheila and Darren are seen are on the 16th, eating breakfast at about 11am. He likely did the same thing to them as Gerald, shocking them, crushing their skulls with the 1.5kg hammer that he just brought along, and then butchering them up. Like Gerald, he goes down to reception and asks to be moved to their room. He told the receptionist, who really was just doing his or her job, that they had left and that he would pay their bill. On 19th of March, he checks out and he flies back to Singapore. And I literally have no idea why he would do this because, you know, you just killed somebody here. On the same day, Sheila and Darren's skulls are found in a tin mine in the Katu district of Phuket. Five days later, on 24th March, their arms and legs are found along a road about 9.7km away. They were so badly decomposed and I mean given Thailand is humid, it's, it's hot, that visual identification was completely out of the question. The Royal Thai Police, they end up using dental records and forensic analysis and most of the body parts belonged to Sheila and they never found the other body parts for Darren. 
and it gives me the impression that John both kind of knew how to get rid of body parts but didn't so he was kind of almost winging it. On 19th of March, John flies back to Singapore under the name Simon Davis. And the name Simon Davis was under a wanted or watch list because they figured out that he was the last person to check in with Gerald Lowe. The police actually went into the hotel room and stripped it down. And in interviews, it seems like when you kill somebody, the room has a smell that just doesn't go away. But John was pretty thorough, and even though they could smell that smell, they didn't find anything until one of the policemen literally lay down on the gross-ass hotel toilet floor and looked up. And that's when he found a patch of blood. John is taken into custody when he flies back to Singapore. And during the interview, he freaks out. He's scared that he's gonna get hanged. And there was another foreigner, a Filipino, that was hanged for a double murder just two days before. He ends up smashing a glass panel during the interview and he's taken to a hospital for treatment. He's arrested. They find five passports on him. Two British passports for Simon Davis, the one he got in England and the other that he got in Mexico. They also find Sheila, Darren and Gerald's passports too. It looks like he kept their passports as trophies maybe. They also find the murder weapons and he was just walking around with the taser and the hammer. They also find mace, handcuffs, thumb cuffs, two foldable knives, two Swiss army knives, and an oil stone, which is the stone that's used to sharpen knives. A bunch of these are totally illegal in Singapore, like the mace. So the Singapore police is still trying to figure things out. There's nothing really here that's like, oh, I'm John Martin or I'm John Scripps. It's just the two passports showing that he's Simon Davis. At first, they take him to court as Simon James Davis. And the first charge that he has is forgery for credit card for the 6000 on 9th of March, which is the day right after he killed Gerald. It takes them three days because remember, this is 1995. They figure out who he is. They actually call up Scotland Yard in the UK and they confirm that Simon Davis was actually John's prison mate who had lost his birth certificate. And so finally, they take him to court as John Martin Scripps. John is charged for Gerald Lowe's murder. He's charged for forgery for all the money that he stole and also vandalism for breaking the glass panel. The taser is illegal in Singapore. So they charged him for that too. And he was also carrying weed. So just add that on to the charges. John says that he killed Gerald in self-defense. That Gerald was coming onto him and grabbing his ass. Remember the story that he told the receptionist? He said that he was scared and kicked Gerald away. And it was Gerald who threw the hammer at him. But I mean, why did John even have a hammer with him in the first place? So John, in self-defense, had no choice but to hit and kill Gerald. He said that he was in a blur for the next few days and the other passports were given to him by a random friend in Phuket that he didn't want to knock on, which is very convenient for him. He said he wasn't a violent person, but he had to protect himself from sexual assault from other men in prison. The prosecutors asked him what he did after killing Gerald and he said he didn't remember. He said he had been drinking and he had taken a Valium. He repeated that he also didn't kill Sheila and Darren. And here's the best part, that he came to Singapore to confess, to clear his conscience of Gerald's death. 
it looks like he was going for a manslaughter charge instead of murder because murder has a mandatory death penalty. The judgment was made on November 1995. The judge was satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt that John killed Gerald and he was also pretty sure that John killed Sheila and Darren with the same method. He was sentenced to death for murder and this is exactly what John was afraid of. On 15th of November, he said that he would appeal. Then suddenly, on 4th Jan 1996, for no reason at all, just a couple of months later and right before his appeal, John drops the appeal before it was even heard. He had his chance to petition the President of Singapore for clemency, and at the time it was Ong Ting Chiang, and he was like, nah, I am impatient to be executed. A serial killer is somebody who murders three or more people, and John Martin's scripts fits that definition. There were a couple of other people that he was linked to but never confirmed, and I want to get into that. The first was Timothy McDowell in Belize in 1995. There wasn't a body, but there was a transfer for £21,000 to San Francisco, which we knew John was at before Singapore. They think that he was murdered and his body was thrown into a crocodile-infested river. There was another, an accountant, William Shackle, who also went missing in Cancun, a place which we knew that John was familiar with. And it may have been a coincidence, but John was there at the same time. And the last record was that he cashed travellers' checks worth £4,000, which is definitely in John's MO. And for a while, they thought he could be a killer of a butchered boy in San Francisco, but he was cleared of that. But he was also a suspect for another case in Arizona. And with all these cases, he refused to talk to Scotland Yard while he was held in Changi Prison. Like with the Timothy McDowell case, when they asked to talk to him about it, he, he stood up, he was so angry, he flew into a rage and he threw himself at the prison glass divider. But basically, most people's opinions are that he did it and he did have documents found on him that belonged to Timothy McDowell. The days before the hanging, he wrote about how nobody loved him except for Maria and his family and how he dreamt that he avoided hanging by committing suicide, but he didn't. And his mom basically said that who he was and who he became was a result of the prison system. At dawn on Friday, 19th April, 1996, he had his last meal, which was pizza and hot chocolate. And then he was hanged. so much for listening to A Briefcase. I hope you enjoy listening to the third episode, John Martin Scripps, The Garden City Butcher. You can find us on Instagram at abriefcase underscore and do join us next Tuesday for another briefcase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.